0: Anybody tell you that I miss practice? I made my mistakes. If if a coach say I miss practice. Whatever it is, it's not right on the teleprompter. And y'all hear it, then that's that.
1: Don't you feel like that creates uh, tension between East and West?
0: Now, I can't read it. There's no no words on it. People have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. There's no words there. Well, I'm not a crook. What does that mean, to play us
1: out? I mean, I might have missed one practice this year. What is... I don't know what that means, to play us out. What does that mean? Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We talking about practice. Welcome, everybody, to the Same Old purpose podcast. This is Louis Keene and your co-host, Robert Flam. Flam, how's it going?
0: Uh, it's going pretty well. Excited for the weekend. How are you doing? <laughs>
1: You sound excited for the weekend. I I'm,
0: I'm dead tired from, it's been a long week. It's been a, I'm writing this, I do career services for my full-time job. I'm writing the CV for this lady uh, and uh, it's going to be like five or six pages long. It's, it's slapping the life out of me. And, uh,
1: nice. Yeah, it's, that's important work.
0: <laughs> it is. It, it does. Uh, it makes me feel good sometimes, which is, you know, all you can ask for.
1: All of us should have five to six page CVs. I'm still at the the phase of my life where I'm applying for jobs that only want a one-page resume, you know? And it's like, well, what do I include? What do I leave off?
0: I can give you tips if you want.
1: Well, should I include that I had a radio show in college at this point in my life? Probably not.
0: Unless you're applying for a job in radio or with audio production.
1: There you go. Uh, But maybe leave the title of that show off. Probably. <laughs> it was, yeah. Anyway. I say what it was called. Uh, but an eventful week uh, in Clipper Nation. Um, I think both good and bad things um, have surfaced. Main good thing Kawhi's play of late has been pretty spectacular. Um, they've also endured a couple of major injuries. Um, I would say – maybe I would say one major injury um, and a couple of losses. Uh, so, we start by talking about um, those losses. They lost to the Nuggets at this point probably 10 days ago. Um, in a game that was pretty close, uh, I thought the Clippers were going to win, uh, but it's hard to beat Denver on their home floor. What did you make of that game?
0: Yeah, that was one of the losses this year where I feel like there weren't that many... I, I think there was some controversy about it. Or so there were some Clippers fans who were upset about something. I mean, there are always fans who are upset about something. Um, it was probably something like Zubots not playing enough minutes or whatever, you know, classic Clipper fans this year. But, um, I mean, yeah, Denver is good. I mean, I think they're a team the Clippers should beat in the playoffs if they play in a series because they have just a better, more complete team. And the Nuggets don't have guys who can guard Kawhi and Paul George for extended stretches. Um, but, I mean, they're still really good. Like, they're going to win over 55 games. Um, and as you mentioned, I mean, Denver is a notoriously tough place to play because of the altitude. The Nuggets are adjusted up there. Nobody else really is except for the Jazz. And, I mean, it's it's a it's a loss on the road to a really good team in a tough atmosphere, and it was close. I mean, you know – it would be it would have been a really nice win to have, but I don't remember being too upset about it. I mean the nuggets are good.
1: Yeah. I think and this is a recurring theme of this podcast, but we talk a lot about like regular season games that you know we don't really care about. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah they lost, but there weren't any matchup problems that revealed themselves that you know yeah. that need to be addressed. Um the, th- that, the main takeaway from that game is Nicole Jokic is really good. Uh, <laughs> contrary to popular belief in the first month of the season or so, he's yeah. really good. Uh, and the yeah. pick and roll with Murray and Jokic was what spelled the Clippers doing that night.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually really funny because you don't think of Jokic as being one of those guys you need to see in person because you always think of like those super athletic guys like prime LeBron or prime Westbrook or, you know, or even really skillful guys like prime Steph Curry. But Jokic is a guy, when I think you watch him in person, you see how good he is and how he kind of commands the court. Um, oh, like he, he just, he runs their entire offense. Um, like I know Jamal Murray is good. He's a solid point guard, but the offense doesn't work without Jokic. He does everything for them. He's also a great rebounder and he is an underrated defender. I mean, nobody's confusing him for like, you know, prime Hakeem Olajuwon or anything. But, uh, you know, he can move okay out there. And the rebounding is huge. Like, a lot of defense is getting the rebound and not letting your opponent have a second chance. And he's a fantastic rebounder. Um, Yeah, he's super good. Um, I think he was the best player on the court that night. um, Though Kawhi was pretty good that game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. Like, I think Nuggets people were talking on Twitter about how, like, Jeremy Grant looked like he could stop Kawhi Leonard. Like, I like Jeremy Grant. He's a good player. I mean... I am very confident that Kawhi can score on him over the course of a seven-game series.
1: Yeah, I also like Jeremy Grant. And Plumley is also, Mason Plumley has also fit in really well with that team. Um, that's an interesting trade that's kind of shaped the Northwest division uh, over the last few years, which is NERC for Plumley. Yeah. Um, I, it's It's kind of fun that the Nuggets are able to – preserve their identity when they go to the bench um obviously no one is going to confuse Plumlee for nicole jokic but uh his ability to pass move the ball be a good role man uh mm-hmm. kind of keeps the fun going in a way that's different that you know it's different from the clippers the clippers bring Harold and lou williams off the bench and the team kind of like flips a coin they, they're completely different you know they're a different team um when those guys are running the show versus when the the starters are in. Uh, I just think that's interesting, kind of a, I don't know, aside. Yeah. Uh, then they lost to the Hawks uh, in a game that many people, and maybe I'm projecting here, only saw the first half of because the Zion Williamson debut was uh, started when the third quarter of that game started. Uh, so as far as I know, the Clippers are still up by 21 points. Uh <laughs> No, but it turns out they lost. So, uh, John Collins had 33, uh, yeah. the Clippers kind of just disappeared defensively at the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, you know,
0: I have, I think, you know, I understand why people are upset about this. Like the Hawks suck. They're really bad. They stink. And they don't have Trey Young. He's their best player by like a gajillion miles. Um, like, they're really bad. Like, the Hawks with Trae Young are one of the five worst teams in the NBA. The Hawks without Trae Young are by far the worst team in the NBA. Um, <laughs> that being said, the Clippers were on the second night of a back-to-back. They were on the road, and they're missing three of their five best players, including their two best players, by a huge amount. Um,
1: and they were in Atlanta.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean,
1: <laughs> exactly. So, it's a very difficult city to play in, and they had the, you know, they had the mayor of Louisville showing, you know, showing them around. So it's definitely there. I'm sure there were definite uh, challenges to the, to the team's uh, hydration uh, the next day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just really, it's similar to the nuggets game in some cases where it's like, I didn't see anything in that game that makes me worried about a long-term issue or anything. It's just like, they got tired, they fell asleep, you know, and then they just started missing shots and they lost. Like it was a bad loss. It was kind of embarrassing to watch, but it's not anything that like, I really think much can be taken away from. I mean, I think, you know, one of the takeaways maybe is that, you know, they're actually a little thinner at guard than we might've thought. Like, you know, Rodney Magruder has not been good this year. Um, people thought that would be a pretty safe bet just for a 10th man. And he's been, you know, anywhere from just mildly invisible to actively bad for most of this year. Um, And Jerome Robinson, while I think has been better lately is certainly not somebody that I would want to play in a playoff game under basically any circumstances. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think there are moves to be made out there, but I don't think any of them are that bad. Like when the Clippers start playing Kawhi and and Paul George, 35 minutes a game in the playoffs, neither of those guys would be getting minutes anyway. Like, uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I but mean they do,
1: but they do, but they, they but they will. You know, if this team goes into the playoffs as presently constructed, Rodney Magruder's gonna get playoff minutes. He's not I mean Kawhi and Paul George sitting or playing 35 minutes or even 38 minutes, Magruder will get in the game. Like Doc will play him because that's the kind of coach that Doc is. Um
0: But I mean I think Magruder is like I mean if he plays for like six minutes a game. Or even 8 or 10, whatever. Like, I mean, I think that's manageable. Playing him 30 is very different than playing him 10. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just – it's hard for me to get too worked up about it. I mean, I feel like I've been the calm one all year regarding the Clippers, which is really weird because usually I'm, like, king pessimist. Um, I don't know. Like, they they had a bad loss. Like, these losses happen. <laughs>
1: They haven't been great. No. But, you know, I, I think the the one thing that they've revealed um, in aggregate is the Clippers' depth going into the season was thought of as their strong suit. And it really just does not seem to be that way at all. You
0: know, no, I agree with that.
1: Like, <clears throat> people thought, oh, I Bruder? Like, that guy was a starter on the Heat last year. And you know what? He's going to be, like, our 10th or 11th guy. It's not like anyone thought Jerome Robinson was going to be playing this much, but here he is. And Landry Shamit, like, that was an incredible shooter last year. He was in our starting lineup. He's coming off the bench. And as it turns out, when you move these guys around to different roles in the team or ask them to do different yeah. things or, or pair them with different players, they're not the same guy anymore. They like they don't – you can't just plug them in and it's just that's just not how the game works. Yeah. And so as they approach the trade deadline, it's not like they have this surfeit of guys who can cook that they can move the Nuggets are talking about trading Malik Beasley you know they have another guy Monte Morris who can do a lot of the things that Malik Beasley can do uh the Clippers don't have that depth that they can move and so you know they talk about oh uh, Lou Williams who can they get or Montrezaro who can they get uh I'm sorry but those guys are the two guys that actually do know what they're doing when they're out there uh, there's, nobody, there's nobody out there you can get, in my view, uh, that will be able to uh, provide something greater than what you would be taking away by subtracting one of those.
0: I mean, I think there are theoretical trades out there, but I don't think they're going to happen. Um, I mean, I think I'm in favor of a smaller move, and I always have been. I don't think this team needs a big shakeup up. I think it needs, like, some moves along the margins, um, you know, They could use a third string center, um, who's an actual big man who, you know, Doc Rivers might be willing to play if he really doesn't trust Avisa Zubots in big minutes. Um, you know, as much as I love Derek Walton, they could use another ball handler with a little bit more offensive juice. Um, you know, neither of these I think are like pressing urges in that I think the Clippers might not win a championship without them, but I think it would make their road in the playoffs a lot easier. You know, I think I think the roster they have is a championship-level roster. I think the record proves that. Um, the advanced metrics prove that. I mean, their they're rating with Lou Williams, Kawhi, and Paul George on the court together is ridiculous. When they put their best players on the court, they've been phenomenal this year. Yeah. The problem is they've been injured, and, you know, they haven't been able to build up any rhythm, and that's really hurt them. Um, but, I mean, I think, again, going back to your point at the beginning, which is that Kawhi looks incredible. Um, and Lou Williams after a pretty down December has looked better in January. I think he's had a couple rough games where shots haven't fallen, but I think he's just looked more put together um, and has gone to his spots a little bit cleaner than he did last month. Um, And I think Landry Shamit is, has been sneakily probably the biggest reason for the Clippers struggles this year um, between him getting injured and then him just being bad for a lot of the time when he has been playing. Like he's been bad on defense. He hasn't made that many shots on offense and he hasn't done anything else. And part of the reason why the Clippers have looked better over the past few games outside of, you know, before loss lost the Hawks is that he was finally hitting threes and doing at least a little bit of stuff off the dribble. Um, and if he can play better now that maybe he's accustomed to a bench roll or is finally healthy or whatever, um, you know, that could really help the Clippers a lot because, as you said, I mean, a lot of the depth hasn't been there, and Shamit was thought to be a key piece, and he has not been good this year, or hasn't been on the court. Um, yeah. So I'm but still not really. I
1: think his I think his trade value would still be extremely high, but again, oh, he's, mean, but as he's it should be that they can't move.
0: Yeah, I mean, it should be high because last yeah. year he had like one of the best three point shooting seasons ever for a rookie. Yeah. I mean, and he showed he could be playable on defense and have like at least ancillary skills that are decent. Um, but I I don't know. I'm, I'm in favor of a smaller move. Like, I think there are things that they can do to tweak the roster to make it better, but I think the core is there. Like, I think they have what it takes. I think they just need to get healthy and they need Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to be on the court for extended stretches and to a much lesser extent, Patrick Beverly, at least in the Hawks game. Um, You know, obviously not nearly in the same realm as those guys, but like the rebounding is huge.
1: Okay, so the other thing that I'm gonna bring up is because these these losses don't occur, you know, in a vacuum and then are immediately forgotten about. They just appear on a ledger. The players do experience the losses. That you know, no one likes to lose, and some people are better at concealing that. more than others. And I think in general, no one likes to bring this stuff up. But after that Hawks game, uh, when Montrezl Harrell, not Hawks game, the, uh, Grizzlies game, when Montrezl Harrell, uh, kind of lit into the team and said that he wasn't even sure if the locker room was fully, you know, uh, cognizant of how poorly they had been playing and really cared, uh, on the heels of that, uh, The Athletic today, um, our our man Yovan Buha and Sam Amick uh, posted an article about Kawhi's, um, well, just about the Clippers locker room in general, um, and whether there's any uh, discontent there, Uh, not just lingering from the Memphis game, but just towards the overall managerial strategy that the that the franchise has taken towards its newest. Star players Paul George and Kawhi. Um, did you read the article?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I did.
1: Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read one paragraph from the article uh, that I think represents the uh, thesis of it. Um, here, let me screenshot it on my phone, and you can tell me agree, disagree. You can give me a take. Okay. From the frustrations relating to, here it is. Uh, the transition from the team's overachieving past to its promising present has not been seamless. From the frustrations relating to Leonard's injury management and his quiet ways, to the different views regarding regular season competition, to the reality that their chosen style of play isn't always conducive to collective joy, there are issues tugging at this talented team that will need to be resolved by the time the playoffs come around. So. Big takeaways from this article. Uh, Kawhi's injury management slash load management slash just not playing because I don't feel like it uh, is apparently wearing on some of, some of the members of the team, particularly because the communication has been poor. Yeah. Um, and the team's offense is no longer as egalitarian as it once was. That's kind of in between the lines here. Um, because they say collective joy, nothing more joyous than egalitarianism, Rob. Uh, and uh, the different views regarding regular season competition, which is, you know, how much do we care about these games? Uh, can we just coast? Uh, so, and then, and then the the argument is that these need to be resolved by the time the playoffs come around. Agree or disagree?
0: Hmm. I'm going to say I disagree. I don't I don't think those are issues that have to be resolved. I think you know, I think the team could be playing with a lot more joy and I think, you know, it's something we've talked about a lot is that this team hasn't been particularly fun. And I think th- th- resolving these issues could solve that. But I don't think resolving those issues will necessarily make them a better team it might make them a more fun team it might make them I guess it could make them more enjoyable and maybe a little bit smoother offensively I guess but I don't think that's really a detriment to their championship winning I think it's just stuff that they need to be open about and discuss and just kind of not even resolve but just agree to like you know agree to disagree or just settle on a course of action you know like I think the players, you know, it's something we've seen time and again is that people just don't understand this Kawhi Leonard injury thing. Um, Players, media, fans, people just don't understand that this is like a degenerative issue that like if he doesn't play on it, like if he plays on it too much, it could get a lot worse. And it could maybe, you know, be career ending or career shortening or whatever. And I, I don't know if that's been communicated clearly. I don't know, you know, if players maybe just disagree, or they feel like they have their own issues that aren't being treated as importantly. Whatever it is, but I, I know I, I disagree with that.
1: <laughs> okay, I mean I think that's fair. right the way you're talking about it right now it sounds a lot like the San Antonio Spurs, where <laughs> where no, because it does. Where. The team is like, look, uh, obviously he's injured, uh, but the communication has been so poor that, like, don't we have a right to know? And the article mentions uh, one point during the t- his time in Toronto where he basically did not RSVP to a game Until an hour before the tip or whatever, that he just, uh, I'm not going to do this one, folks. Uh, You know, so even you're saying his knee injury is degenerative. Uh, I've heard, I've read some places say that. I've read some places say that uh, that it's not actually that bad. Um, And if it were degenerative, wouldn't the guys on the team be like, it is what it is? Um and yeah like Paul George and then on the other hand it seems now like they rushed Paul George back from his hamstring injury because they were kind of going through a rough stretch mm. and now he's like on the shelf for an extended period it does not look good with his hamstring so I, it, the Clippers have had training issues with their training staff going back to my childhood Rob uh,
0: and Jason Powell still here yeah. still repping
1: so, yeah, the sweater vest. Since the sweater vest <laughs> uh, <laughs> made yeah.
0: its debut, yeah, um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think there are real issues there, um, but I don't think, you know, I think it's different than say Lob City, which is still like one of those things where, like, to some extent, I think it's probably overstated about like how they hated each other. But they had, like, legitimate chemistry issues one way or another.
1: Like No, absolutely. And yeah. I haven't even been thinking about comparing the theme to that because that was toxic on another level. Right. Um, because there, the resentment was between stars. Here, it's between the stars and the so-called others. And I was just listening to this Danny Green, uh, Zach Lowe podcast where they're talking about how there's LeBron AD and there's the others, like drawing up a play for one of the others. Uh, And Danny Green was like, it's fine with me. Like everyone knows who we are. You know, it is what it is. And on the other hand, the Clippers are like, you know, all one team. Uh, It it isn't as clearly defined. Like uh, I think I wrote about this in this week's Unstatable, but – Kawhi and Paul George normally would have the corner locker in, in their NBA locker room. Uh, in the Clipper locker room, Kawhi and Paul George are in the middle of the semicircle, and then the corner lockers are Pat Beverly Everly. and Jimmy Williams. Yeah. Um. It it seems to me not so much that this could threaten their championship because you just don't know until. That's something that can only really be determined in hindsight. But it one thing that it does look like is that a guy like Montrez Harrell, who does care about these regular season games, well, would not like to be on his team for that much longer.
0: Well, I think Harrell, I think it's really Harrell. I think when it's others, I think it's Montrez Harrell, um, one way or another. Um, I don't think Lou Williams is the type of player who would, challenge Kawhi or Paul George like that. And I don't think it would be Patrick Beverly either. Um, and to be quite frank, when, it, when they say others, I don't think anybody else on the team seems important enough to make that big a fuss like that. Because um, it's like a three-tiered thing, right? It's Kawhi and PG, and then it's Lou, Trez, and Beverly, and then it's everybody else. So it seems like Mo Harkless, according to this article, has kind of been taken into that second tier. Um, because it seems like the top guys respect him a lot. Um, I mean, I think it also, part of the other article outside of the Kawhi stuff was about how Trez had that blow-up, as you mentioned, after the Grizz game, and how that there were teammates who were unhappy with him because they feel like he only cares about stats. And I feel like Trez is, you know, he's also been a guy who's kind of been on the court, part of the Clippers' issues because he's been so bad defensively, and some of it is due to physical limitations and just due to like him just not being a good defender. Like, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about defense is that it's all about effort. Um, you know, it's a lot about instinct and position. talent and positioning. And Madra's hero is just not like he just doesn't know where to be on the court. Like he blows rotations all the time. He's out of position. And it's not really an effort thing, and it's also just he's small. He's not, like, a big guy who can dominate around the rim. Um, But, you know, I thought it was interesting. He was the person calling everybody out. I do think he always plays with energy, or almost always. Um, And that's something that maybe not everybody else does, but I think, you know, there could be a sense there that he gives up a lot of points, even if he scores a lot as well. And that can rub both ways in terms of him calling people out and other people being like, well, like, you know, maybe if you were better on defense, we'd be able to hold on to some of these leads or whatever. Again, that's entirely my thinking, not anything even in the article. Um, But I I think if there's conflict, I think it would be between Trez and PG and Kawhi.
1: Well, I mean, there's clearly more than just Trez speaking out on this because the article, I don't think it would have run. If it was just Montrez that was upset about it, um, I agree. Really, like, Yovan's, uh, like in the lead, it says that interviews with over a dozen sources. Um, that's that's a lot. Uh, now, what each of those people said or who they were, uh, you know, who knows? But. I think it's. I think it is more than Trez. And uh, as to your point about his defense not being that good, you know, we talked just now about two losses that may have occurred uh, in part because Montrez could not contain, let's say, John Collins or or Jokic. But you know, when I was in uh, when I was in high school baseball and the first team. All league catcher and team MVP, Rob. Yep. Uh, uh, That's the whole story. Uh, No, our our coach (laughs) would. Our coach would uh, would sit us down after the game, and he would just review uh, the good things and bad things that we did. And he always like the only thing he ever would criticize us for was mental mistakes. So Mm -hmm. you can't really blame Montrezl Harrell for being a bad defender anymore. You could defend. Lou Williams for being about these are just like you said it's not just effort it's it's being good at it it's 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 yeah. it's, not, it's uh um it's it's lateral mobility um it's quick hands it's it's a bunch of stuff and Montrez Harold he's leading the nba in charges like he is putting his body out on the line for defense you know one way or another um so yeah, that's my statement on that. I and mean, how how do you th- how do you see this article playing out? I know Pat Beverly has already come out and said fake news, which honestly, I'm going to just skip ahead. This is my disrespect of the week. I don't disres- I I disrespect anyone who calls newspaper reporting uh or just just serious journalism, fake news. It just it's so yeah. it's so lazy, and the frustration is also coming from a place where this team is really hard to access. They're not opening this team to the media at all. The lead of this article is Montrose Karl being reamed out for talking to the press. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a fan of the of the of the game. I report on the team. Uh, and whatever little I can get, uh, I will put in the story, uh, Pat Beverly himself, uh, in his last media availability, gave one word answers. So I, I don't, I don't abide someone just dismissing a whole article as fake news.
0: Uh, I, I agree with that very strongly. Um, and I think actually, Joe Varden, also The Athletic, had a very, that was another very long article Um, a couple of days ago, but one of the things buried way down, which was super interesting, is that how a lot of NBA teams have cut out, I don't know if you read this, have cut out um, shoot-arounds and additional practices this year to reduce wear and tear. But those are also media availabilities. And it's reduced the amount of time that reporters are getting with players. And it's why reporting has kind of been down this year, is because just shoot-arounds and practices are way down. And, um, you know, it means a lot less space time and that teams are apparently supposed to be making up that time, um, with player availability before games, but a lot of them choose not to appear before games. They almost never do. Um, and, and if they do, it's not for anything serious. Like maybe you'll just hear them joking around, like they'll be there, but like, you're not going to be like, talk to us about actual basketball stuff. Um, so,
1: so this uh, not, and this is part of the, like the false dichotomy between the Lakers and the Clippers because driving around LA today, uh, driving through Hollywood, I saw this this ad this billboard for the Lakers. I was like, uh, representing the city of stars, you know. And the, they're, <laughs> they're, like the Lakers are happy to play into glam. Uh, if the Clippers are playing up their grit, but it's a false dichotomy. These guys are cele- these are celebrity athletes, you know they there's, they're not, the Clippers are not this, you know, accessible fan-friendly team um, except to the extent that they sign autographs. And it's just like, that's such a, I don't know. I, I, that's another thing I don't respect is the professional journalists and media who run with that narrative as like, this is like gritty or whatever. Um, Yeah.
0: I don't think this team has been gritty this year. Yeah,
1: it at all. It's a normal collar. find a new slant,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that disrespect. Um, Patrick Patterson also said that on Instagram um, and Lou Williams Thank tweeted. You. Yeah. And Lou Williams tweeted an hour ago. Um, re- he quote tweeted the athletic NBA, uh, you know, link to it. And he said, out your source, put an address on it. Um, which, you know, I think stories are stronger when they have names to them rather than sources. I think you know, but most times, especially in sports, you don't have somebody willing to speak on the record about stuff like this. Like that's just not going to happen.
1: Someone did speak on the record, well, Montrezl Harrell, right? And so, like, got, and then he right. got, and he got out killed. For it. And he yeah. got killed for it. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. exactly, and,
1: uh, out your source. Uh, well, that's not ha- unfortunately because the players aren't made available uh this is the best that we can do yeah you know and it is what it is so now yeah, that's so, weird, there and also i resent the idea that this is like some kind of distraction for the locker room either the issue is there or it isn't if if it's fake news then they have nothing to worry about and if it's real then they have something to worry about and it's not the newspaper so it, it just
0: uh, uh, yeah I mean, I think, you know, it's, and this is where it comes down to, you mentioned serious journalism, not to get all, like, snobby, but, you know, there's a very huge difference between, you know, somebody at, like, an aggregator site taking a, you know, a quote out of proportion and creating some stupid article and, like, a very long, pretty thoroughly sourced article between probably the Clippers' most well-known beat writer and Sam Amick, who's probably, I'd say, like one of the top five guys in terms of at least sources I'd say around the NBA um, and breaking news. Like I'd say on trade deadline stuff, he's usually the third guy behind Logan Shams. Um, and Jovan is certainly, you know, I'm not going to compare like who's better or best, but I'd say in terms of who interacts, of any of the beat guys, he interacts the most with fans on, you know, Twitter. And he's the most active in terms of like, um, you know, generating, like, very specific and in-depth Clippers content. Um, though certainly, I mean, I think that, you know, the Clippers have a good beat, and, you know, um, but, I mean, he's he's the guy, and he's also been around the longest. Like, he was at Clipper blog for years before moving to ESPN and then the Athletics. So, he is, like, deep roots with the team. Um, so, I mean, I think the idea that, like, this was some, like, stupid article, like, thrown together, you know, randomly is is just really off base as well um so i agree
1: yeah it's the player's job on a certain level to be like uh the story it's not true like everything's fine here whatever it's their job to say that but to impugn the integrity of the reporter uh, by saying fake news is no bueno no bueno
0: yeah Uh, but anyway Anyway, uh, I don't think it's that big an issue, to be quite honest. Um, You know, I think the general gist of the article is that there are issues and that the issues are born because of really, like you've talked about all year, because of like the lack of chemistry built through injuries and lack of reps on the court and how that's affected things off the court. And it's not, again, like Lob City, which was a truly toxic atmosphere where here like these guys are still enjoying hanging out together and um you know i don't think there's any dislike there i think there's just you know there are some things they need to work out and there are things they need to be communicative about um but anyway um something that's uh clippers related is that the all-star starters were announced uh today and Kawhi leonard is an all-star starter um I didn't see you, you might have had tweets about this. Do you have any takes about the all-star game and, like, the voting or anything like that? Uh,
1: My take is that Lou Williams should be an all-star, but because the current system does not accommodate cool players that come off the bench like Lou Williams, I believe that there should be an undercard game, not made up of bench players per se, but made up of, like, the second-tier guys that, like, haven't made it. Um, Just as a way to introduce them, To NBA fans, Um, a guy like Chris Middleton, who made it last year. Did he make it this year? He's having a great season. Um, I mean, it was
0: just the starters day. He's going to make it. Oh, just the starters, okay.
1: Yeah, Yeah, he's going to get voted in, yeah. uh, So guys like that that may not have a national profile but are fun to watch or uh, are just good but not one of the household names yet, I would love to see an undercard game uh, before the All-Star game. You know, just make it a, a six-hour thing. Get the undercard game, which, in my opinion, would be more co- – uh, which I think would be more competitive because, uh, you know, it's not just guys collecting checks. It's guys trying to make an impression. Um, and then you have the second game, which would have to live up to how good the first game was uh, and then could be more competitive in, in that way. Uh my take on the All-Star game is it's it's a fun game. It's an exhibition game. All the concern trolling about it is, I think is silly. Um and it's just a it's just a uh result of how much like stock we put into it. Um the only the only um the only fair concern about the All-Star game is when people are like I want to see this guy. Um not when it's this guy deserves it. That's mm-hmm. my
0: take. Yeah, I mean I don't I always am amazed by, you know, some of the stuff that people think about who, you know, again, who they want to see versus who they deserve it. Like, you know, if you really want to see Zach Levine play, you know, like, sure. Like, he's super fun to watch. Um, if you think he's, like, a better player than, like, Kyrie Irving, I, mean, I don't think Zach Levine is fun to watch. I can see why people think he's fun to watch. Um if you think he's better than, like, Kemba Walker, I don't know why I said Kyrie Rufin, better than Kemba Walker or, um, you know, Chris Middleton, like, he's not. Uh, like, he just isn't. <laughs> like, if you would rather watch him, that's fine. Um, but, you know, and again, like, I think the All-Star game is something that, like, is trying to be two things at once, right? It's trying to be this prestigious thing for the NBA's best, and it's also trying to be fun. And I think you can, it, it can be both. But right now, it's failing at kind of both, but certainly at the fun aspect. Um, And, you know, this is where I think All-NBA is really what should be the premiere in terms of, like, this is who the actual best players are. And I think it serves that purpose very well. And the NBA should just lean into the ridiculous aspect of All-Star Weekend and just forget about, you know, its importance, quote-unquote.
1: My other All-Star take is that I should – I should get to play.
0: And the celebrity game.
1: Celebrity game main event dunk contest. Put me in, man. Put me yeah. in. Three point. Three point. They don't want me in that. They don't want me embarrassing Davis Bertans. And <laughs> whoever who's gonna make it this year? Three. Do you think Marcus Morris? Do you think they'll put him in the three point? No,
0: shoot? it's gonna be.
1: Chris Middleton will be in there.
0: It's going to be him, it's going to be Bertans, it's going to be Duncan Robinson.
1: you think George Hill? No. I think he's leading the NBA, isn't
0: he? He might be, but it's not going to be him. It's going to be um, Duncan Robinson. It's going to be honestly, it might have been Paul George if he hadn't gotten injured. Um, But he sucked last year, so I don't know. Um, You
1: should put Bogdanovich in there. Pokey? One of them. Either, both. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Fuck I don't, I don't Here's have. Here's my to. other take. Here's my other take. The dunk contest participants should not be announced until the day of. I think it should be a surprise.
0: That'd be sick. I mean, I don't think that would happen in the social media age, but that would be dope. I'm fully behind. Because
1: like, yeah. Because it's not like I already know now that Derek Jones Jr. is going to be in it, and it's already like. Eh. I I I'd like it to be announced a day of, because that way, you could get a lot of players to say, oh we'll do it live, you know, like LeBron's like fuck it, they haven't announced it yet, right? All yeah. right, shit, I'll do, uh, you know, I I can I can do a couple of dunks, you know, and then you guys then you also get guys like backing out because they're hungover, you know, they're like all right, I need a, I need someone to stand in for me, all <laughs> right, uh,
0: Javale McGee.
1: Javale, you're up, right, man. Uh, <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, I like the spontaneity aspect of, of things. I, I I think in general the failure of um of the All Star break, you know, it's always getting getting people to care, and their solution to that has just been paying people more money. Um, but I'd like to see some kind of. I'd like to see a new strategic outlook that emphasizes getting people to care Yeah, because they enjoy playing basketball. And like, why does, why did Chris Brickley's hoodie mellow games over the summer? Why does he get like fun one-on-one games there that they can't get in the all-star game? Um, so, anyway.
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't have too much else on the all-star game. Cool. that cool. One last
1: season, all-star LaMarcus Aldridge should be one.
0: Yeah, well, this was really going to be the entire point of the pod, Uh, you know, just an hour talking about LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, it's one of those things where, like, I feel like I'm just different in how I watch basketball than maybe a lot of people, because I love watching LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, So many people are like, oh, like, he's boring to watch or whatever. I could watch LaMarcus Aldridge settle in on the elbow or from the baseline and just start backing people down or holding the ball over his head and taking sixteen foot jumpers until for, for like the next twenty years. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I think also. So first of all, he started shooting threes recently, and he's making them. Yeah. Uh, last night he was a monster against the Pelicans, who actually employ Derek Favors, who is a very good post defense defender, who's like seemingly ideally suited to guarding a guy like Lamarcus, because he can you know size up with him. And you know they just they kind of look alike. Uh, Lamarcus tortured his ass. Um, so first of all, he's, he has been shooting threes. Second of all, uh, I think in a way. So the Spurs used to be a team that everyone hated, yeah. right? When we were when we when you and I were kids, people hated the Spurs because they were anti-Lakers and because they were they were gray, but also because they had this, this like. Defensive identity, they were really boring or whatever. And then uh, team basketball, gross. And then uh, the league and the fans kind of uh, grew into the Spurs and into mm-hmm. enjoying them, partly because they changed, uh, the Spurs did, by, by embracing more D'Antoni ball. Um, but also because the fans just came to appreciate it. I think public opinion on Twitter helped – sway that in a way that we see, you know, the public opinion has swayed on Vince Carter uh in the Twitter Mm. age. Um and I think it will sway on Lamarcus um in the same way that it swayed with the Spurs, where you have a league that's full of three-point shooters now. You have all these three and D guys. Lamarcus is the anti three and D guy. And people would say, oh yeah, uh Robert Covington, more valuable to your team than Lamarcus because he can shoot threes. He can play defense, and Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, on some level he can play defense on the interior. Uh, on some level he can shoot threes, but he's he's really not that guy. But his style now is such a sore thumb, uh, if you will, that it you you it kind of grows on you. This very stiff, upright yep. kind of plodding center who shoot you know who releases the ball over his head and you know, takes these inefficient looking shots, but just drills them. Uh, it's, it has grown on me and he's, I think he's averaging a block and a half. He's, he's doing things. Okay. And, uh, and that's my son. So he's an all-star, even if he doesn't make the team. Uh,
0: I don't think he'll make it this year, but uh, he's good. I mean, he's putting up 19 and seven and a half, fifty 50% from the field, 43% from three on three attempts a game um 85 at the line yeah 1.8 blocks per game he's good he's he's been really good for over a decade um you know he's consistently been you know not one of the best players in the NBA but a really good NBA player and there's something about that that's really cool um like consistency is cool um and LaMarcus Aldridge is super consistent um yeah, I'm I'm pro Lamarcus Aldridge in general. Um
1: before we go, this came yeah. up with this came up earlier in the podcast. It came up earlier uh this week with when I was talking to Sabrina Merchant, uh, Sports Illustrated uh Flippers Rider. Uh who and you mentioned Jokic as one of the players that you go you gotta see him in person. Who else do you have on that list off the of, off the top of your head? I so I came up with a few a few players. Um also, if you have a disrespect, uh, I'll take one. But uh, who are players that you got to see in person? And one uh, for your disrespect, you can tell me one player who underwhelmed you in person.
0: Okay, that's good. Uh, who you should see in person? Giannis. I mean, it's 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 the easy answer, but it's it's true. Like Giannis in person is r- ridiculous to watch, and he's ridiculous to watch on TV too. But um, he's crazy in person. Um, you know, I will say, I think Harden in person is interesting because I think the way he's able to create space, um, when you see it live, it's like, it's really crazy how much he's able to get on those setbacks. Um, yeah. He's really impressive. Sabrina, um,
1: Sabrina mentioned Harden.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he's, I mean, he's really good, but... Um, other guys you see in person, um, hmm, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't see as many games as I used to. Uh, I'll, th- I'll try to think of a third. Um, somebody who's underwhelmed me in person, Anthony Davis.
1: Mm, I Do t- you have a story or no?
0: I mean, I just I watched him dismantle the Clippers a couple years ago when he was on the Pelicans. And it still just wasn't really that impressive to me. Like, yeah, he destroyed them. Like, I think he put up, like, 44 points or something and, like, 18 rebounds. Like, it was an MVP-level performance, and I was still like, meh.
1: Yep. I, so, I, I have a story about that. So, my friends and I – I lived in Madison uh, in Giannis' rookie season and his second and third year. Yeah. Um, And – I went to a ton of Bucks games and the Bucs were really bad uh, mm-hmm. that first year. So we were able to get really good tickets for cheap. And I couldn't always get people to go with me to, because driving to Milwaukee is like an hour. You buy tickets. It's what you're doing that night, you know? Yeah. But I roused enough people to see uh, the Pelicans and Anthony Davis. Um, and this is my first time going with this group. And someone else is, you know, we we make the drive. Someone else is putting in the directions. Um, and we drive, like, I want to say 45 minutes or an hour. And I'm noticing that, like, oh, I'm not taking this route before. Um, Like, it's more rural. You know, mm-hmm. we're seeing all these old, like, blown out houses, like, farms that got blown down. It's, like, kind of cool, like, creepy, beautiful. But definitely different route. Uh, at a certain point I was like, <laughs> are we, are we like going in the right way? Are we, are we?" and then I was, and, and I kind of joked like maybe there's another BMO Harris center or something like that. And it turn, <laughs> turned out, sure enough, there's a BMO Harris, uh, box office for tickets in Rockford, Illinois, not for bucks, just for whatever arena or whatever they have in Rockford. So we had just driven south, uh, southeast instead of driving east. So we got to the game like at the end of the first half. Uh, and we had like third row seats. We had like great seats that we had Mm -hmm. paid about 50 bucks for or something. Yeah. We're sitting right behind the Pelicans bench. And it turns out when we get there, AD's in foul trouble. So he gets his, he picks up his uh, fourth foul like early in the third quarter. And we end up seeing him for like three minutes. <laughs> he, he just does not play. And uh, so that's my LaMarcus Aldridge in person story. John Morant is a name that you left off your list. That's probably my number one right now.
0: I mean, young guys are usually pretty fun. I'd say Luca... Is, is really fun in person. Um, Fultz, I saw last week. Fultz is really, really good.
1: Yeah. And so I have an article coming out tomorrow on Fultz where I interviewed some of his teammates. Um, and Terrence Ross gave me such a great quote, which I was able to use maybe half of, um, just about, like, bouncing around uh, in the league and, like, how how you need to be traded um sometimes to Mm -hmm. to find uh an employer who will see see what you can do and give you a chance to do it um i'm gonna i'm gonna read this quote actually which i just thought was i was like man i feel like intimate with you (laughs) having you just described this to me um he said here we go Uh, Nah, I closed it. <laughs> I guess you have to read the article.
0: Yeah. Uh, read but, it anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. Read it anyway. Um, it's coming out uh, tomorrow on InsideHook.com, uh, But I'll also post it on my Twitter at this Lewis subscribe to unstatable, which is my weekly newsletter. Um, if you haven't subscribed yet, Rob, do you have anything to promote?
0: Uh, two on three hoops should be launching sometime in the next couple of weeks. It was originally going to be February 1st. I don't know if we're quite going to meet that, but it should be up sometime in early February. Um, In the meantime, um, content is still coming out on Clips Nation. I don't really have anything in the pipeline. Um, I know Lucas has been publishing a ton of trade pieces, but um, trade deadline stuff doesn't generally interest me as much as it does um, a lot of other people, um, except the deadline itself, which is just a flurry, and I love that. Um,
1: And how far away is that?
0: It's coming up, I think. Yeah, I mean
1: it's before All Star.
0: It is this year. NBA trade deadline. Uh yeah, it's February sixth, though so it's it's less Maybe. than two weeks away. Um but yeah, I don't I don't really have anything. Um, you know, we'll we'll be potting on our other pods the lob jam probably this weekend and uh I'm doing a, a game preview for tomorrow. It's probably gonna be pretty short. Uh <laughs> No, I don't. I don't have anything. Said. I'm, I'm just trying to. Of
1: course, one. I'm looking forward to Miami. Uh, my that's guy, Duncan what, Robinson. That's my pick coming out of the Eastern Conference right now. So. Oh yeah, that. that's
0: right. Um, yeah, you can watch my uh, one of my proud Michigan sons, Duncan Robinson, shine. That's right. uh, but no, I don't have anything.
1: Okay. Uh, thanks for thanks for doing this as always. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out online, join the conversation and uh, see you guys after the next Clippers loss we talking about practice alright go, go
0: yeah, five, four, three. that's tomorrow and that is a... yeah, 5, 4, three. I'm supposed to be the franchise player and we are in here talking about practice, I can't do it I mean how silly is that, we'll do it live practice oh, no. we'll do it live, practice Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live!
1: Not not the game that I go out there and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. That's
0: tomorrow and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. I mean, how silly is that?